Listen to all those crickets. I don't know what kind of week you've had. I don't know what kind of month you've had. Been under stress, pressure. Maybe you needed a reminder this morning that God was good. And you're sitting in it. And it's a gift from God. Uh, One of the things I've appreciated about Waypoint, I know it's frustrated others at times, is that we're not a place that has a lot of traditions. And uh, it allows us to do things like this. There isn't a certain way that we have to do things all the time in order for us to pull something off. We can change it up. We can do things differently. And, um, and that has allowed a lot of flexibility for us. It's not that those traditions that other people do don't have meaning and purpose. A lot of the reason that they do those is because they have meaning and purpose. But after 2,000 years of the church being around, there would be a lot of things that we could do on a ritual basis. And, and the problem that happens is sometimes you get to a point where you just do them and you don't even remember the meaning or the purpose. And so for us, we've allowed culture to kind of drive our choices. Uh, does this thing that we want to do, is it right for our culture as a church, as a community together? Is it allow us to communicate to the broader community? And if not, we, we shed it. Now, that can't be said for a couple things. There's a couple things that have been going on in the church for 2,000 years, and we still do them. And it has a lot to do with us being kind of instructed to do those things. One of those is communion. We're going to do that today. We haven't done that in a long time together. And uh, how we're going to do it is about to change. We're going to do it differently. That's because we're not caught up in how you do it. We're more concerned about why we would do it. And so there'll be an opportunity for you to go back and you're going to get separate things and come to your chair. And it's going to be different than we've done it before. And none of that will matter. In fact, um, I'm hoping that this morning, uh, the topic that we talk about will allow your communion time to have some deeper meaning and purpose. Because we're going to talk about a different sacrament that we practice And many of you have already participated with that. You've done that with your own lives. But I want you to remember the images and pictures that are part of this because it's still true about you. And when we go to take communion, it's something that you can do to um, really be thankful to God for as you take that time. The second thing that we do that's, again, been around for thousands of years is baptism. And it's been around because... This is what Jesus said about it. He's leaving. He's departing his followers. And he, he gets done telling them that he has all authority in heaven and earth. And this is what he says with all that authority to do. Verse 19 of chapter 28 of Matthew. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He says, look, I've got a process I want you guys to be involved with for the rest of your lives. I want you to make disciples. And part of that was baptism. Why? Why would he make baptism part of his departing word, something that he wanted to make sure that he left with them that they would think about? Well, it has a lot to do with the imagery of baptism. Uh, For a lot of people, even now in our world, you can't assume that they could read. And back then they didn't. And so what they had to have was a picture that encapsulated what was going on internally with somebody when they responded to Jesus, and baptism did that. And so um, this morning, my hope 
is I want to walk you through what we see as baptism, the baptism that we see in the scriptures here. And if you haven't done it yet, I'm going to ask you to consider if now is your time. Should, should I consider doing this or not? And so we're going to work through the, the imagery, and we're going to talk about the different reasons why we would do it. Because one was imagery, but the other one was there was an expectation that people would take a public stand. And again, it's not, it's not true about the U.S. There's not a big price that you pay when you stand up and say, I'm following Jesus right now. But around the world, the, the point where people start removing you from their family, start treating you differently in their community is when you choose to get baptized, when you make a public statement that say, I'm with Jesus right now. And when that happens for people, their whole lives are upended and changed, and their decision is significant. It's the same for us, even though we don't experience that here, but that's the whole point. And I want to walk you through what this picture is, what you're doing internally with Jesus that shows up in the picture of baptism, okay? There's three things, three things that you identify with that happen in baptism that are really important for you to understand that this is how we identify with Jesus. And one of those, oddly enough, if it was standing on its own, it would be uncomfortable, but it's all together and we're just going to deal with them separately. One of those is death. I identify with Jesus in his death. It's why, yeah, I knew, I knew this was going to happen, but I'm trying to stay away from the speakers. It's why we stand you in a thing of water. I don't know if you know this or not. This is kind of, I find this um, to be interesting. In Revelations, John is writing about what will be a new heaven and new earth. And in chapter 21, verse 1, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. The sea was gone. Now, for you beachgoers right now, you're pretty distraught, right? What do you mean? We just lost the sea. We just lost the place. Well, um, it's not the actual sea that's gone. The, the metaphor, the image that they had was anything that had like water, that had some depth to it, was considered for their culture a place of death, a place of evil, and a place of chaos. It's why um, when we were in Israel, uh, we w walked up to the Jordan River, and I'm not joking, it's a third of the size of St. Joe. And the scripture tells us that they were afraid to cross that water. And I was looking, I was like, I could wade through on my own. What is wrong with these people? I mean, this is, this is a small thing. It's because their view of water. They had this sense of, man, if I go into that, I'm really walking into death. And it's why we put you right in the middle of it. Why? Here, I want you to see what the scriptures say about um, the problem that exists. This is in Romans chapter, oh no, Romans 6, 23. It says, the wages of sin is death. What you earn for going against God's way, of doing things your way and not God's way, is death. And so for you to stand in the middle of it makes sense. You're surrounded by what you've kind of earned. And the scriptures are clear in Romans 3.23 that all of us are find ourselves in that place. We're all facing death. And it's why the options become very narrow. You either face death on your own or you decide that you're going to cling to Jesus. But, but get this. One way or another, someone's going to die. 
Someone's going to pay that price. And it's either going to be you trying to do it on your own, or it's going to be you identifying with Jesus and his death. In fact, um, Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6, and he says it pretty directly. In Romans 6, 3, he says, Or don't you know that all of those who were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? It's because if you're going to be with him, you're going to be with him in death too, and somebody is going to die. You're going to do it alone, and you're going to face the consequences of that alone, or you're not. And that's where the other images and pictures come into place, because if you face death alone, and we put you under that water, and it was over with, your life would be done. But that's why there's more imagery here that we have to follow through. So um, water, like it symbolizes death. We're putting you in the middle of it because that's what we've earned. And you're going to either identify with Jesus who's going to defeat it somehow or you're going down on your own. The second image, again, it's not, it's not comfortable. It's not great, but it's that you're buried. We, we actually take and we put you under the water. Because when you sin, when you've done stuff that hasn't engaged God's way of living, your outcome is death. And so we, we give you that image, man. If we put you under here and you stay, you're finished with it. But because you identify with Jesus' burial, there's something else going on there. See, when he takes all your junk, he's taking and he's burying that. And so you're going to want to be with him when he buries that. I'm with him in his death. I'm with him in his burial too. In fact, the scriptures call this out. The next verse, verse four says, we therefore, um, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that. See, this is leading somewhere. We, we identify with him in all of these things because there's gonna be an outcome that we get that's gonna change the whole story. Up to this point, death wins. We choose to disobey God. We end up with a result of being faced with death. We're standing in it. And when we go under the water, that is the end of the story. Except the scriptures say, therefore, in order that. What's in order that? Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And there is that the third part of this picture is that when you face death and you were buried, you're done unless you're with Jesus. And because he's raised from the dead, because you've been identifying the whole time, I'm with him, I'm with him, I'm with him. When he comes back to life, you get that too. A new life that allows you to live in a different way. Listen, this is how the scriptures talk about this. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body which was ruled by sin might be done away with, and that we should no longer be slaves to sin. It's, it becomes this gift that you end up with because I'm with him. I'm with him because if I die with him, if I'm buried with him, I get to be raised with him. And so all along the way, I'm, I'm going to identify with Jesus and in fact, you're going to need to because somebody's going to die. 
the stuff is going to be buried. And the beautiful thing about this is when you come up out of the water, listen carefully, this is important. The water does not cleanse you. There is, there is nothing special about baptism um, in terms of what it does to you. It is a reflection of the stuff that has already happened in your heart. But the image of that water washing off of you is to remind you that you just got a new life. All of the junk that you had, it's left. It's still in the water. And, you, and when you take that first breath when you come out, it's a reminder that you have a new life that's not trapped in the story of sin anymore. It's been defeated. And at the end of this, you'll walk out of that water and you'll remember, I just got a new life. I was just given a gift by God. And, um, and I hope some of you um, have not done this yet. And I think there's some value in understanding um, the, the public pronouncement of this too. Jesus was talking to his followers in Matthew 10, 32. And he was talking to them about how he was going to interact with people. And in verse, um, he says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. In essence, you're looking around and going, saying, hey, 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 Jesus, I'm with you. And you're like, and he was like, yeah, I remember. You were with me. Let's go. You're part of this. And there'll be other people that this happens to. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. They're going to say, hey, Jesus, I'm with you. And he's going to say, I thought you said the opposite. And I let you have what you wanted. I don't think you're with me. You didn't even say you were with me. What's happening here? And so there's an encouragement, again, to find this moment where you take a public stand and people know what you think about who Jesus is in your life. Now, there's value in that. And um, for some of you, all of this does is raise questions, and a lot of questions that we've commonly heard about baptism. So we're going to start answering a few of those. So um, we're often asked, okay, does this kind of baptism work with babies? Do you guys baptize babies? Well, we, we don't baptize babies because this is about a personal decision about something that's gone on in your heart. A baby doesn't understand that. A baby can't make that decision. All of that stuff is being made for a baby during a baby baptism. But this one is about you. This is about a personal decision you've made. It's about a choice that you want to stand before others and say, this is where I'm at. I'm with Jesus in his death. I'm with Jesus in his burial. I'm with Jesus in his resurrection because I'm getting a new life. And that's the statement that you make personally. So instead, what we do is a child dedication. So that's an opportunity for a family to get together and say, listen, um, we have this gift of this new life, and we're taking it very seriously. And so we're going to commit to raise this child to honor God. We're going to commit to raise them to know about God. We're going to do our best as parents. And so we come and we have a dedication where you get to read a scripture verse over your child. You get to do some things, and we'll pray for you as you go to parent that child. Uh, but for us, that's the way we choose to do it. And we're doing a child dedication the same day as baptism. So if that's something that you're interested in, um, you need to let somebody know. For 
for baptism and child dedication, just let, there's a little link on our website. You can sign up. Somebody will contact you. Make sure you know everything about that. If you want to do baptism, they're going to ask your story. They're going to ask all that kind of stuff, and they'll talk with you. But for us, this kind of, this particular baptism is for adults, and we want to make sure that you understand what those are about. Um, if you guys want to ha- send somebody to get the kids, that would be great. Um, two, what if I'm an adult and I haven't been baptized yet? I've been following Jesus for a long time, and it just seems like it might be anticlimactic for me to do this because I'm in. I, um, it might be embarrassing that you know people might talk about why in the world haven't you done this for so long? Listen, all of that is unimportant. I've been to a lot of baptisms, and I've not yet been to one where I heard people whispering on the side, I can't believe they waited to get baptized until this old. Like, I've never heard that. Because we know what it means, because we know what it stands for, and that stand that somebody's taking, when somebody chooses to get baptized, it's a celebration. And if you haven't done that at this point, I'd love for you to consider just saying, hey, I want to honor what God asked me to do, and I'm going to take a stand, and I'm going to go do this. And um, I hope you'll consider that if you're an adult. What about if you've been baptized before? We get this question quite a bit. Here, this is important for you to know. Waypoint does not require people to be baptized to be a part of our community. That's not how we do membership or anything like that. You can be involved all you want. Um, There are no barriers. So uh, if you're thinking about getting baptized for that reason, set that aside. It's not necessary. Uh, Another reason that people think, oh, maybe I should be baptized, is they were baptized as a child. And they'll come to us and say, look, I was baptized as a child. Do I really need to do this again? And I would just tell you, they're not the same baptisms. There's, this, this is an adult baptism. The, the child one was a thing that your family chose for you. They chose as a family to do something that was important to them. But in this case, this is important to you, and it's a personal decision. And so they're very different, and one doesn't invalidate the other. They're just different baptisms. And so if you haven't been baptized as an adult, I think you ought to consider it, even if you were baptized as a child. We've had people come and say, hey, I was baptized with a different mode. It sounds like you guys put people in the water and dunk them down. We do. But if somebody else has been sprinkled or there's been pourings that people have done, the important part of this is that your heart was right. And if you identified with Jesus in his death, his burial and resurrection, that's all that matters. And there's no need for you to redo your baptism if you got that heart stuff right. And if, if you didn't, then it's, it's possible that you could consider doing it again. But it would only be uh, because of that reason, not because of the mode of, tra- of uh, baptism. Um, what about um, if I wanted to get baptized again? Is there any kind of circumstances where that's happened? Because we've had people come to us and say, my friend's getting baptized again. I'd like to be with him. And I would just encourage you to let your friend be baptized by their own. That, um, this is one of those important kind of markers in their lives. And you can be there to root for them. You can be there to cheer for them. But let them make this stand. Let them make this stand in this marker. Uh, one of the things that I, I think there's value in this is that sometimes um, people want to get baptized over and over and over again. And it starts to lose its meaning and its purpose. One of those things 
I think, is a spiritual marker that you can look back on and know for certain that you made that public commitment to Jesus, that you had that stuff that was right in your heart. And I've, I've talked to adults who feel like they have to question or wonder whether they're right with God. And so they go back and they repray a prayer and they repray a prayer and then they think they have to be rebaptized and rebaptized. And eventually, if you keep getting rebaptized all the time, you add the uncertainty to whether this was cemented at one point or not. And I, I would just tell you, make a decision that's clear and right. Do it once if you can and let that stand. Let that stand. This is the spiritual marker in my life. I'm with Jesus. I made a public stand, and that's a statement I can count on. And I know where I stand with him. And you don't have to go back and re-question that and get caught up in doubt and all kinds of stuff because we're all going to have messes. We're all going to have failures. But it doesn't invalidate the stand that you took with Jesus. And I'd, I'd hate for you to get into a pattern where uh, you were reinforcing doubt in your life. I don't think it's helpful. Um, what about um, some people who said, look, and I, I did this when I was younger, but I didn't understand it. I would just say it really depends then on your age. Because if you, if you came to us and said, hey, I did this when I was 12, but now I'm 14 and I understand it, I would say, I want you to wait. Just, just wait until you know that you fully understand this. Well, let it age a little bit if you have to. If you get it, if you get it right now as a 14-year-old, we're in. We're excited to be there with you. But we want you to clearly understand the commitment that you've made internally to Jesus, the price that that's going to cost, and the price that it cost him. Like He died for you. And he did that because our sin required that. And the, so the, like that should be sobering to us. And so I, I want you to make sure that you have that picture right. It's not just something that we do to do. It's not something that we do because our friends are doing. It's not something that you do because your family wants you to do it. Make this decision when you're clear-eyed about what it means, the purpose behind it, so that you can use that as a marker in your life. I'm convinced there will be real value with that. Um, as I said before, if you have interest in that, you can contact anybody on staff. There's a link on our uh, website that you can do that. In two weeks, we're going to do a public baptism. We're going to um, fill this up with Luke cold water, and um, we're going to have it out by the pavilion. And um, yeah, it's not going to be friendly to you, but it'll be perfect because you'll remember every last second that you were in that. And you'll remember every second that you went under the water, and you'll remember when you come out. And I just, I just think um, the marker of that is important. I can remember the pool that I was in when I, when I made that decision for Jesus. It's, a, it's a, um, a, a spiritual marker that I always will have. And if you haven't done it yet, I think there's value at no matter what age of you considering making that choice. Uh, this morning... As you consider the fact that Jesus looked at your position in this death, evil, and chaos and said, I'll take that for you. I'll take that to the grave. I'll leave it in the grave. And I'll give you a chance at a new life. I, I think as we consider those pictures, I want to um, be able to do communion with you guys. And I hope that will color uh, what we're about to do with each other. We're going to do things a little bit differently. 
normally I would talk about it a little bit. And then um, you would go and partake communion, but uh, we're going to try something different this morning. So here's what I need you to do. Uh, the ladies are furiously uh, putting out crackers and pouring cups right now. I'm going to ask you to make it to one of the two tents, the green tents on the side back here. Pick up a cup, um, pick up a little cracker, and then head back to your seat, and then we'll talk about it more, okay? Uh, don't take those until you're back to your seat. We'll all take them together at a certain time. If you could make your way back and do that, that would be great. So oh. 
Oof. Speaker. So it was the last week of Jesus' life. And I think he'd been looking forward to this last supper that he would have because he intended to start something new. He, he knew where the story was headed. He'd been telling his disciples where the story was headed. But I don't think they'd believed him or fully understood or accepted it. And in part of the Passover meal, he made a change, uh, a change to that meal that we've been practicing for over 2,000 years now. And uh, there was some bread on that table. And it, um, the scriptures say that Jesus took that bread and he broke it and he passed it around. And then he looked at his disciples. I want to read it to you. And in Matthew chapter 26, uh, if I can find it here. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. Then he had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. See, he, he said, this is my body because he knew what he was about to go through. He was about to be beaten. He was about to have thorns put on his head. He was about to be gashed on his back with a flog. And he knew all of that was coming and still did it out of love and compassion for you and for me. And in that moment when he said, hey, this is my body broken for you. This is me sacrificing for you. He wasn't just saying it to his disciples. He was looking you in the eye and saying that too. I'm going to go face death. I know the sin that you're standing in. I know somebody has to pay a price for that. And I'm doing it. And so as you take this cracker that represents his body being broken... I want you to imagine him, him looking you in the eye and saying, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. thought about that meal and about how those guys really didn't comprehend what they were doing at the time. We have advantages. We can look back and understand what he meant, what he was saying. These would have been aha moments for them later as they look back and they realize this is what he meant. This is what he was doing. This is significant. But after he broke the bread, he did this. Then he took a cup. There would have been a single cup and um, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Now, um, what would have happened at that meal would have been a lot different than what we're doing. The, um, the cup would have actually been filled up and each person would have expected to drain it. And the reason that would have been so uncomfortable is because at the bottom of the these cups were like bitter tannins that would have kind of floated and been there. And so they would have filled up each cup 
And each person would have taken the whole swig. And so you were getting the whole, like, it was sweet at first, and then it would turn a little bit bitter. And it's the reminder of, hey, this is what's going to happen. Um, my death is going to be really good, but it's also going to be really hard. But I'm doing this. I'm shedding my blood for you. And as he sat on that cross, soaking that wood with his blood from his back, from his head, from his arms, from the nails, he had one thing in mind, and he just said it right there. I am doing this for the forgiveness of sins. What he had in mind was that he wasn't just going to be buried, but he had the end result in mind, too, that he was going to back up out of that grave and offer you a life that you couldn't have otherwise. And so like his disciples. Ask you to take. And drink your cup. And remember him. I want to give you just a little bit of quiet time out here. In this creation that God's created. Just to process, think and pray. And then the band's going to lead us in a closing worship.